0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. What a great morning of worship. I love it. I just get excited about it. I mean, we'll go and scream our heads off at football yesterday. Football season started, so it's really come in here and just be quiet. We need to be excited. You know, this is more important. This is eternal value. And then as fun as football is, this is life-changing and life-altering, life-transforming. So I'm so glad we're here today. I'm so glad to worship Our God together. And this morning, I want us to go on a a journey. I want us to see the heartbeat of God from the scriptures, from the beginning to the end, to see what really matters to the heart of God and how God is calling all of us personally to join Him in what He's doing. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Leviticus. All right, we're going old school. Leviticus and uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. So right there toward the very beginning of the Bible, we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 23, Leviticus chapter 23. I'll give you a minute to find it. Uh, Also I'll put the words on the screen or if you have a mobile device you can access the scriptures online at Version. But if you go all the way back, let me just set the context for you real quick. God created man and God created man why? God created man for relationship with him. That's why you were created. You were created for a relationship with God. And life makes sense when you're living in relationship with God. So God creates Adam and Eve for relationship with him. He, God puts them in this beautiful garden. God says, all of this is yours and it's awesome and it's perfect. And God says, but this one tree, right? This one tree, just stay away, just stay away from this tree. And Adam and Eve, what do they do? That one tree, right? So they just head over to that one tree. They rebelled against God. And man's been doing that ever since. I don't want to do it your way, God. I don't want to do it my way. And we've just taken control from God. And we're like, we're going to do our own lives. And God's going, but I got this great plan for you. I trust you. And then God sets into motion a plan to redeem mankind. And God says, you have broken, you have sinned. I am perfect, I am holy, but I'm not giving up on you, praise God. I'm not giving up on you. And even when we sin, God doesn't give up on us. And God begins drawing us back to his heart. And so God calls out a man named Abram, Genesis chapter 12. and says, Abram, you know, leave your country, your people, go to a land I will show you. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abram says okay, I'm in. I love you, God. I want to follow you. And God blesses him. He blesses him, blesses him, blesses him. And from Abram, Abraham, right, comes this mass group of people. God raising up a people for himself that he would reveal his character, who he is, and ultimately that he would bring the Messiah, the redemption of the world, the one to come and pay the price for our sins, and so here's Abraham. All these descendants are coming. They end up in Egypt, and for 400 years, God kind of incubates them. These are my people. He's carving out this people for himself. They call out for a deliverer. God sends a deliverer, Moses, and the people walk out of Egypt. A million slaves going on this journey across the desert to go to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land with houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant. God just blessing them, blessing them, blessing them, and. On the way to the promised land, God meets them at Mount Sinai in the middle of the desert. And God says, I want to tell you how to live. You're getting ready to go into a land. And it's going to be so easy for you to fall in love with that culture. It's going to be so easy for you to forget about me and continue to sin. I want you to be different. I want you to be a people who radiates to the world the way I love the world. I want you to be different. And so God gives them these commands. He tells them how to live. Remember the Ten Commandments and all these things. And then you come here to the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 23, I want you to see this in verse 22. God says to his people, right, these guys have been slaves 400 years. They're going to the promised land. They can't wait. And God says, when you reap the harvest of your land. And I think they're going, our land? Are you kidding me? I mean, we've never had land, we have been slaves, our forefathers had land and we've heard stories about it, our land, and God's going, yeah, when you reap the harvest of it, God's just giving them a vision for their life. Maybe you're here today, and you remember when you were young, and you were a kid. You would have never thought, man, I'm going to own a house one day, right? Or I'm going to be able to do this dream job one day. Oh, I'm going to be able to be have the opportunities to travel and to go places one day. And if somebody would have told you, you'd be like, not me. And I think these people are going, what? God, when we reap the harvest of our land. And God says, yeah, you're going to have land and you're going to have a harvest. It's going to be awesome. But he says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord, your God. God, early on, early on says to them, listen, guys, listen, listen, listen. Don't just take it all for yourself. You be generous I will bless you, right? I will give you more than you can dream or more than you can imagine, but you don't just go to the very edges and take it all. You leave it for the poor. You leave it for others. You are gonna be blessed, but it's not just for you. It's for you to be a blessing to others. Well, if you know the story, they come into the promised land, and what happens in the promised land? God comes through, man. He blesses them, blesses them, blesses them. And they have a King David, and David takes Israel to a place of prominence, and they're winning all the battles they fight. They're having more and more land. They're having more and more fields, more and more harvest. Solomon becomes the king, and they are wealthy, right? There's gold everywhere. There's riches. There's livestock, all of these things. And they forget about God, (laughs) They forget about God's call to the poor. They forget about God's call to missions. And so God starts sending some people named prophets. And the prophets come to them and they go, hey, God, remember? You, you remember you were slaves. You remember you didn't have anything. And now you have all this and you're just taking it all for yourself. And hey, come on, remember what God said. Remember about being generous. Remember about worship. Remember about keeping him first and not fall in love with the gods of this land, little G, right? You remember all that. He sends a guy named Isaiah, if you flip over to Isaiah, kind of in the middle of the Bible, so we've been at the front of the Bible, now we're going to the middle of the Bible. Isaiah chapter one, he says in verse 16, stop doing wrong and learn to do right, exclamation point. He goes, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. He's like, guys, don't forget God's heart. For the poor. It's a recurring theme, a recurring theme that you see throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, the people, they were showing up for church, they would go into these feasts that they would have three times a year, and before they would go, they would fast. They would not eat because, you know, they wanted to go and have a feast. And so uh, God's going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, is the kind of fast I have chosen only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and and lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Look at verse 6. Is not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? And to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and Not to turn away from your own flesh and blood And then look at verse 8 God says, remember this, remember the promise I made to you Then your light will break forth like the dawn And your healing will quickly appear Then your righteousness will go before you And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard Oh, I love that God's going, I got your back, right? I'm your rear guard, I'm standing behind you I'm protecting you, trust me, trust me and the people are like, well, I don't know. we got to trust all this. we got to go to the very edges. we got to take it all for ourselves. It's got to be about us because we're going to trust of money and stuff and things. And God's going, what about me? I'm the one who's given you everything. As you move into the New Testament, you see the heartbeat of Christ. You see the heart of Christ. And Jesus comes, and at the very beginning of His ministry, if you go to Luke chapter 4, in Luke chapter 4, right? Jesus is baptized, beginning of his earthly ministry. Temptations happens. We'll see that next week as we unpack the word of God together in Matthew 4 next week. But in Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes back to where he grew up. So here he is, 30 years old, beginning his ministry. And it says this in verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went in the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church. You know, great. I mean, that was his custom. It was important. It was a priority for him, the Shabbat. The Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> Pretty interesting, right? The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So this wasn't just happenchance. He's just like, oh, well, here's the verse of the day. It was like he found the place where it's written. Isaiah 61. He unpacks it right here. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, now what's the year of the Lord's favor? Oh, this is so amazing. Well, back in the beginning when God had met the people in the desert, God said, hey, guys, I'm going to establish something that's going to be really powerful. It's going to be called the year of Jubilee. He goes, you know, every seven days, you're to rest, you're to have a Sabbath, right? God created the world, six days he worked, the seventh day he rested. So the seventh day is going to be a day of worship. Then God says, every seven years, I want you to let the land rest. I want there to be a Sabbath year every seven years. And then he goes, check this out, every seven times the seventh year, so 49, so the 50th year is going to be a year of Jubilee. And God goes, this is going to be so cool. Right? You know, as a culture, as a nation, the year of Jubilee is going to be the time that, that, that people get to go free. right? Debts are forgiven. People's land is restored. You know, captives are severed. It's going to be like a grace for everybody. It's going to be awesome. The year of Jubilee. You know what? We don't ever have a record of Israel ever having a year of Jubilee. I never did it. Even though God instituted it, even though God said it, they never did it. And so Jesus comes along and he goes, Hey guys, listen, I am Jubilee. I am Jubilee. I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You were slaves to sin. You are dead in your transgressions. I'm making you alive in Christ. The prisoners are going free. It is a year of grace. It is a year of transformation. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. If you go over to Matthew chapter 25, toward the end of Jesus' ministry, he gets his a picture for all of us of what eternity is gonna be like and what the day of judgment's gonna be like. And he says in Matthew chapter 25, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, Jesus said, the first time I came, I came in humility, right? I came to die on the cross for your sins, but the next time I come, I'm coming in all of my glory, nobody's gonna miss me. And all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another At the end times, the last days, Jesus goes, what are you doing for me? In the least, the last, the lost, the broken, the hurting, those in need, the heartbeat of Jesus for the poor, for the orphan, for the forgotten. If you go all the way toward the end of the Bible in James chapter one, it says this in verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This recurring theme throughout all of Scripture, all of Scripture that God's heart beats for the poor, that God says you and I have a responsibility as His children to make a difference in the lives of those around us, for His name and for His glory. It's an incredible privilege and an incredible responsibility so how do we do it? You know, what do we do? Well, Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, he calls his disciples together. You can go to Acts 1.8 on this one. He pulls his disciples together. He's standing on the mount, getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he says, guys, here are my last words. Now, don't you think the last words he's gonna say are gonna be pretty important? You know, I mean, if you were with your family, his last words you had, you were gonna be, you're gonna lay it on the line, right? You're gonna lay it on the line. Here's what Jesus says to them. He says to his disciples right here. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, right? to the ends of the earth you will be my witnesses now notice what he says about this here's the plan it's you here's the plan it's you you go, you tell you make a difference you help out a lot of times we go, well missions You know, that's for missionaries, right? I mean, those are people who, they are missionaries, out there. missions, you know, that's, that's kind of for, you know, staff people, they kind of do that thing. And he's going, no, 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 no. But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, when does the Holy Spirit come upon you? When you receive Christ, right? As God draws you to himself and invites you into a relationship and you and I step over that line, God places his Holy Spirit within us. So he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And then he gives them the pattern. He says, in Jerusalem, start here. They were all in Jerusalem. Start here, start at home, start around you. In Judea, Samaria, you know, kind of spread out. Go to the county, go to the state, go to your nation. And then go to the ends of the earth. Go to the uttermost parts of the world. Let everybody know. It's you. You have a calling. You have a responsibility 12 years ago when god called us to plant rolling hills and there were 15 of us right and we're sitting in an apartment clubhouse doing a bible study on thursday nights and we're looking at each other right? we did this bible study we go you know what it's not just about us we've got to reach out we've got to do something and so he started looking around what needs can we meet right here in cool springs what needs can we meet right here in middle tennessee and steve davis was with a mission organization in texas he and he called he said hey, Jeff, would you bring a group to Moldova? You know, my first question was, where's Moldova? You know, I had no idea where Moldova is. And he started telling us about this. He started telling us about these state-run orphanages and 60% of girls trafficked into prostitution in Western Europe come out of this country of 4 million. And and I'm listening and my heart's breaking and I'm like, Steve, we we have 15 people. He's like, well, just put it out there. we started praying, we put it out there and eight months later, we took 18 people and went to Moldova and we've gone multiple times every year since it's just been god's call god's heart in church that's what we're about and that's the amazing part the exciting part is just people all of us saying you know what we can't do everything but we can all do something and just a little placed in the hands of the master you watch god work you watch god work a lot of times we do we look at global giants we look at poverty we look at sex slave trade we look at these things we're just our heart breaks but we're like what can i do and we're right we can't do everything but it is amazing when we all do something it isn't amazing when we all start to engage and so our pattern here at rolling hills has been just that local it starts right around us what can we do many of you serve at the path project and i love it you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we we're over just about two miles from here, tutoring kids and helping them in school and, and working with the lowest income area in all of Franklin. And, and, and God is doing miraculous work. This past week, it kicked back off, and there were just so many kids. They were running to get to the clubhouse. you're we thinking, they're running to do homework, you know? I mean, what, what kid runs to do homework? But they couldn't wait. I love that. Many of you have been on mission trips nationally. Student ministry, go in different places, all of us go in Kentucky or New Orleans or Washington, D.C. or all these different places. And then internationally, we start work in Moldova and just stay in as a church. We're all going to lock arms, we're going to help, and we're going to serve. And then it spreads out to the Amazon and to South Africa. And as a church, we just say, we're going to invest, we're going to invest. Six years ago, we started Justice and Mercy International, a nonprofit in order to help further the work in these particular countries. And church, you've been amazing. And generous and people sponsoring children and seeing lives impact and lives being changed. And I want to tell you, there's no place in the world I'd rather be that right here, serving our God with you. And us locking arms together and going and giving and sponsoring and serving. And seeing God do what only God can do. Because when God sends us, lives are changed. And many times it's us. I want you to hear this morning from some people who've been recently this year on mission trips. So, Gina Williams, Delaney DeStefano, would you guys come and I want, I want you just to share a little bit about going and your experience and what you saw God do and for both of you guys going to Moldova, this is your first time to go to Moldova and Gina I know you're a, a mom and going there, Delaney you're a senior in high school, centennial big basketball player, ready (laughs) to go. So, Gina, tell us, I mean, being a mom, there was probably this kind of angst about going, but uh, tell us about your, just the call to go and be there.
1: Yeah, I've been a stay-at-home mom for nine years, and it's been very full, raising three kids, and for the last year or so, I felt like God was calling me beyond that, Mm -hmm. that being a mom's an awesome calling, but that there's more to life, and there's more to my life, and that it was okay to add to my identity as a mom by going and having a passion for something else and I've always had a passion for cross-cultural ministry and missions and have always wanted to have um, instill that in my children and in my family and to bring that passion to them and realize that the only way I can really do that is by living it out and we talked about it and decided it was time to make it happen. And to figure out how to do that with childcare and everything, but um, we also sponsor a girl in Moldova, and we have for a few years, and I was excited to possibly meet her and form a more rich, personal relationship with her.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Delaney, this was your first time ever out of the country, and uh, first time to go. Tell us about that call to go. Um,
2: Well, I've always kind of had a heart for missions. I would tell my parents all the time, I want to go on a mission trip, I want to go on a mission trip, and I never, I wasn't ever the right age, or I never had the time, or, and I didn't go to a church that like really focused on missions as a whole. And so, when the, you guys started talking about Moldova, and I was like, "Wow, there's something in my heart just telling me I need to go to Moldova." So yeah. Wow.
0: Well, what did you guys see God do? I mean, while you were there, Delaney, tell us. I mean, what what did you see God do?
2: Um, the biggest thing for me was that it was it was just so cool how we could connect on a level just through God that like our different cultures, different backgrounds, different lives. And then we just like all connected for His
1: love and it was just, it was amazing.
0: Wow. Gina, tell us about being there.
1: Um, it's very amazing when it's really hard because these kids have really hard stories and extreme heartbreaking, you know, physical and emotional needs. And it's very overwhelming because you want to give everything that you have to them when you're there. Um, Literally, you want to just take the shirt off your back and give it to these kids who've been wearing the same outfit every day for a whole week because that's the only thing that they own. And it's overwhelming. And God really spoke to me and said, you know, you can't meet all of these needs, but you can offer them, give them the um, chance to meet their eternal spiritual need by, you know, Showing them Christ and giving them the opportunity to accept Christ. And thankfully, on the last day of our camp, God gave me the opportunity to lead four girls to Christ. And um, it was amazing because I was able to walk away knowing that, you know, maybe I couldn't meet their physical, emotional needs or protect them from whatever they might be facing, but that they now have a relationship with God and that's eternal and that's lasting. And, um, also on the last day i was able to meet the girl that we sponsor that she was able to take a two hour bus ride to where we were and um, got to talk with her and hug her and hear a little bit of her story and now when our family prays for her we have a deeper understanding of her needs and who she is as a person um can i say Okay. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing that was amazing to me was watching the transitional living kids that we were with at camp. Um, These are kids that grew up in the orphanage and were most, many of them were sponsored when they were younger. And then they were given an opportunity once they were kind of graduating from the orphanage to go to a transitional living home to continue on with Christian education. And, um, Most of these kids have no parents, and at one point had no hope, no future. And they are now leaders in their country. They were at camp with us leading worship, putting on the skits, doing the games. Um, And it is absolutely amazing to see these young kids have a hope now by watching the older ones whose lives are completely transformed and changed. And now these kids have a hope. They're going on to college and they have a life and they have a future. And that could never have happened without JMI and sponsors who've gone before them, people who've sponsored them financially, but also have gone and actually invested in their lives. I mean, we saw people who went on the trip who were with their sponsor kids and have been with them for years. And so that was amazing Mm -hmm. to see the, you know, the testament to what has been done. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: It's amazing, you know, and being in their church, It's kind of like we have a whole other youth group. You know, we've got an incredible youth group here, incredible student ministry. But when you're in Moldova, there's a whole other student ministry of kids that you're impacting. And now having a transitional living home for boys and for girls in Chisnau. And then we're looking in another place in Belts, another city, independent living now with apartments. And you're raising up a generation. And we really believe raising up a generation that's going to transform Moldova. Many of you know Moldova is right next to Ukraine, There's so much unrest in this area, and yet these are going to be the leaders, right? And watching these kids love Jesus and watching these kids have a hope in a future, you just go, wow, God, that we get to be a small part of that, you know? And one of our Transitional Living kids, Allah, she's just amazing, and, and, uh, you know, she said, I can't wait as I get older and I get a job one day and I can sponsor a child who's in the orphanage. yeah (laughs) so Delaney tell us give us a takeaway from being there what would you say to your church family
2: Um, I would just say that Jesus calls us to be the hands and feet of Christ and I read the other day that you don't change the world by going to church you change the world by being the church and I just feel like that's so important in a different aspect that I never like really thought of before and that It's just so amazing, it's just so amazing. Like I can't even put into words how amazing it is to go over there and just love on those kids and be there and worship with them. It's just,
3: it's amazing.
0: Um, Delaney, I'm so glad you went. You know, your mom emailed me this week, believe it or not, I know you don't know this, uh, but she did, she emailed me this week and said she was so nervous about you going your first time. And as a mom, you know, you can identify and praying for you. And uh, then when she put you on that plane and she said she was so thankful that you went and she was so thankful for social media because she was reading all your tweets and, and uh, just your call. But she said, you know, what God's done in the life of my daughter is amazing. And I'm so grateful to see her living for Christ and the difference that she's gonna make. So God uses you to go and cheer, but God changes us in the process. And we're proud of you, doing. Right, Gina, tell us, what, what's a takeaway for your church family? What would you say?
1: I think just that God will use and does use everyone, regardless of your skills and abilities and you know, you don't have to be pastor and worship leader. You can be a mom, an accountant like I am, or a high school student, or whatever it is that you are. God wants to use that and it's as simple as just going and relating and loving on kids and playing ball with them and talking to them and um Another thing that was amazing was being able to use the fact that I'm a mom. There in Moldova, another um, team member and I, Lori, were able to talk to and minister to a group of Moldovan moms that had dropped their kids off every day at camp. And these are moms who pretty much overlooked, and they work really hard. They have really hard lives that look very different from us, but we were able to relate on the fact that we were moms. And mm. um, I think they appreciated that we kind of sat and talked with them. and bonded with them on just being a mom
0: i love that and i'm so thankful gina you and todd and i know working out logistics to be gone but what you're modeling for your kids about what's important in their lives and it's so easy to get caught up in our culture today and about money and success and everything else but modeling for them about missions and helping the poor and the lost and the broken and so thank you for modeling that you know we've got about 500 kids every sunday morning around between preschool and uh, you know high school seniors and for them to grow up in a culture that says this is important and uh, i'm just thankful for you and todd thanks you guys for sharing I appreciate you you know it's amazing to see what happens in a country like moldova but it's also amazing to see what's happening in south africa we've been going to south africa now for about six years as a church and working in Red Hill. And I want you to hear from Jeremy Crawford as he shares with us just for a moment about South Africa.
4: And we have a three-year-old James. Rolling Hills has been sending teams to Cape Town, South Africa since 2007. Uh, It was that year that they fell in love with a community called Red Hill um, which is uh, a very impoverished um, shantyville on the side of a mountain outside of Cape Town. Um, I've always wanted to go to Africa, I have really felt uh, a heart to go there. Um, I had taken off several years of my professional life to go back to school and change career paths um, and then had a child and we just never always felt like there was something um, that was prohibiting our time and our resources to be able to go but this year um, we just made the commitment and um, made the time and the money happen and uh, went with the team. Being a nurse I wanted to be able to use my skills and abilities. Um, alongside of this team. Um, I approached a couple of my nursing friends who I knew were believers and strong in their faith and wanted to be able to use their nursing skills and abilities um, to minister on people Um, and they had no hesitation whatsoever. Even when I told them how much it was going to cost and the time it was going to be away from work, they made it happen. It was just amazing to watch these nurses who are in different phases of their Christian walk, um, being able to use their, their professional uh, skills and abilities um, in a way to love on people, in a way that we are not um, able to in the hospital uh, on a daily basis was just amazing to watch, watch um, God use them in ways that they have never been used before and use me in ways that I've never been used before. As people in our workplace ask us where we went and what we did, we had a lot of conversation about faith and what that means and how we live that out on a daily basis and the choices we make. Um, Some people were astounded that we would spend as much money as we did and as much time away from work to go on a mission trip, but it allowed us to have great conversation. Um, It also allowed me to get to know my coworkers in ways that um, aren't possible on a day-to-day basis. Um, Being able to hear their faith stories and being able to encourage them and be encouraged by them as as well. My challenge to you is to simply have a conversation with your coworkers. It can be intimidating at first not knowing where they are in their journey, um, but simply opening up the conversation, talking to them, um, listening, actively listening to where they are in their in their faith journey, being able to support them in ways that, that you can um, and, and simply the ask is important. Do you want to join this work? This is what God's doing, where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um, do you want to join? And um, it's, it's been really rewarding to watch that affect other people's lives.
0: Wow. Uh, that's, that's what Acts 1-8 is all about right there, right? I mean, that's just, just what Jeremy was saying. That's, that's, a, that's our call as disciples. Harold Pinto um, went to the Amazon and... So between Moldova, South Africa, and the Amazon, there's places for all of us to go. And, and, and Harold, uh, I would, uh, just tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, you've you know, run companies, and you've done all these things in business, and uh, tell us a little bit about this call to go to the Amazon and be there.
5: Well, um, I mean, the Amazon <laughs> is a fascinating place. <laughs> so it, it's an enticement in itself. I mean, you don't really need to tell somebody twice to go to the Amazon, <laughs> unless you're af- really afraid of insects, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> An anacondas. Yeah, tower. <laughs> insects, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I, I've traveled a lot oh, all my life because of work, but, uh, and you know that mm-hmm. my passion right from early age has been the church in working with pastors. Mm-hmm. I love to work with pastors. That's why I came to Nashville and, mm-hmm. and joined LifeWay uh, years ago. So the, the thing that uh, really prompted me to go there was just the opportunity of being together with these local pastors, trying to assist them
3: mm-hmm.
5: you know, and help them in what they're trying to do. But mainly, and this is something that probably people don't realize, being ministered mm buy them. You know, that's probably the best enriching part of it. So that experience is really what what took me there, and you're so welcome. I mean, Mm -hmm. they welcome you right away, and you make friends. I mean, at the end of a week, you have more friends than you can count. (laughs) You know, it's just great. It's amazing what they do.
3: Mm.
0: uh, Well, you... uh I mean, you've obviously been very successful. I mean, you're a lawyer. You've got your MBA. You've, you've done a lot of stuff in the business world. And then you felt God's call to, to be in ministry. And, and yet you went to, to this pastor's conference, right? To go and to serve. What did you see God do while you were there?
5: Yeah, I, I think the first thing is mm-hmm. um, the bonding that uh, you establish with those pastors.
3: Mm.
5: I mean, it can't be anything other than the Lord working. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's evidence that, you know, where one or two get together, mm-hmm. he is there with you. I mean, that, that is his presence there. I mean, you hear their stories, their testimonies, it is of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But you know, before I went there, while I was still here in the U.S., I was preparing. You had asked me to uh, mm-hmm. do two types of training, to tell them how to promote their church, in the, their little village, and uh, then talk about their finances, you know, the church. I mean, some of these are big budgets. I mean, you know, $80 a month. You know, how do you live on $80 a month for the church? You know, that's... Uh, so I was preparing for that, and the Lord was putting some thoughts in my mind that I was find really strange, you know, and I was saying, really? I mean, is this what i got to cover, you know? But uh, when I got there and I started uh, discussing things with them, that was exactly what they wanted to discuss mm-hmm. and, and cover. You know, so you see that the Lord is working with you even before you leave here. Mm-hmm. Right? Love that. But I think, at, you know, towards the end, we had an opportunity in groups of three of meeting with each one of these pastors mm-hmm. individually. And, uh, listening to their needs, the needs of their churches. So they come and talk to you and you can already feel the Lord guiding you mm-hmm. in terms of what you should do and what you shouldn't do, mm-hmm. you know, just in this interaction with the pastors. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, throughout the whole time you're there, it's like being with the Lord.
0: It's mm-hmm. you know. amazing. And and these pastors in these little villages, I mean, it's incredible, their sacrifice and their love and the way that they serve, and, and you're right, your life has changed, your life has impacted, and, and you know, we all have something to offer, right? And, and we may not think we do, but we all do, and we've all been blessed. Give us a couple of takeaways, what would you say to your church family, uh, just about missions?
5: Well, having been in church all my <laughs> life, I tell you, there's great value mm-hmm. in worshiping together, mm-hmm. in fellowshipping together, mm-hmm in studying the Bible together. But to me, it's really when you leave and you go and decide to serve others through mission that you really see the Lord at work. Mm -hmm. And many times we're reluctant to do that because, you know, just like when the Lord commissioned the disciples to go and say, you don't take anything, (laughs) you go and we'll take care of everything Mm -hmm. for you. It's the same thing with mission. Mm. I mean, who's going to meet me at the airport? How am I going to get there? What am I going to eat? How are I going to? Don't worry about any mm. of that. Mm. The Lord is working all the time. And you don't experience that unless you do it. So it's like, you know, you're on the trapeze, <laughs> and uh, there's that moment when you're going to have to let it go. Yeah. And you're going to trust that He's going to be there to take care of you. And do the work for you because mm. it's his work. He mm. will do the work for you, and he will provide for you. Mm. So it's a it's a leap of faith. I love it. Just do it. Do it because there's nothing better than that. There's no study guide for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harold, thank you. Thanks for your heart and for your love for the Lord. And thank you. just appreciate you. Wow. As we said, we can't do everything, um, but we can all do something. We can all do something. And whether it's sponsoring a child, you walk by the booth every week and sponsoring a child through JMI and and saying, hey, I'm gonna pray for them, I'm gonna walk with them. Or whether it's looking at that guide and saying in 2016, I'm gonna go. I I wanna be there. But it starts with this relationship or just praying, Lord, I I need you, right? I I wanna be a man or a woman that you use for your glory. I only get one shot at life. We only get a few years on this earth. And And so what am I doing to impact the kingdom of God? Um, three years ago, there was a couple in our church, and, and they're fantastic. they successful, wonderful, amazing people, and, and they had never been to Moldova. They'd never been on a mission trip, and they decided to go, and so this couple went three years ago. And, and when they were there, they, they fell in love with this, this precious girl at Internaut 2, the orphanage there at Internaut 2, and, and they discovered that she was blind. And they just loved her, though, and they just loved her. And getting on the bus and leaving was the hardest thing that... Lynn and Steve had probably ever done but when they came back they shared their story and some of you might have been here that day and they shared their story about this precious girl named Maria and there was a guy Paul who was sitting right down here just like he is right now uh, right here and he heard that story and he said we've got to do something to help this is the body of Christ right the body of Christ working together and he said we got to do something and so sure enough he knows Dr. Wang and gets on the phone and gets a connection there and and next thing you know a year later Uh, Maria is on a plane coming here to the States and Maria went to see Dr. Wang and I want you to see this video of what happened after she had surgery here in the United States. I see
3: Maria. Oh, careful. You see Casey? Look at Casey. Can you see me? Yeah! There's Maria. Look at her.
0: Well, here's Maria. Two years later, and what God's done in her life has been incredible. And she's got a song she wants to sing. She's been learning English, right? And she's in school and doing great. And just loved for us to worship and allow Maria just to sing over us today.
3: Lord, I come. You're my hope and say
0: So proud of you! So proud of you! Everybody's clapping for you.
5: <laughs> oh man! Wow. Okay.
3: I just want to say something that I want to thank everybody for their praise when I came here because I never thought that that's gonna happen. So for me, it was like a new life when I came here. I want to thank my mom and my dad. That when I was in Moldova, I never had the opportunity to teach somebody mom, and when I came here, they became my parents, and I'm just so thankful for that. Thank you. <laughs>
0: church that's why we do missions right there. that's what God's called us to do that's who God's called us to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world Jesus said I've come to preach goodness to the poor to give sight to the blind <laughs> to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor it's the year of the Lord's favor God's goodness and his grace and God's calling all of us he's inviting all of us and he's saying you you can't do everything I know but you can do something by the grace of god we can all do something so what's god calling you to i don't know it's personal and i want to encourage you to make justice personal for his name and for his glory you can have a seat i want to invite rushers to come this is a chance for us to give back to god a chance to invest In his kingdom. Uh, If you're a first time guest, all we ask is that you give us your communication card and we'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to tell you what God's doing in and through his church. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) This is church. This is community. This is all of us working together and serving together, giving and going and praising his name. So, Father, here we are, your people, and we need you, God. Thank you for calling us and allowing us to be a part of what you're doing. God, you don't need us. But you allow us, Father. God, thank you for blessing us. Help us not to reap all the way to the edges, God. Help us to leave some of your blessing, and Father, to be generous and to share and to give. And so God, raise up a church that will love you, that will put you first. In our lives, God, call us out as your disciples today. And thank you for a privilege, God, to give back to you. Bless and move in Moldova, in the Amazon, South Africa Father, right here in our own community And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we give, Amen Amen
6: Justice and Mercy International exists to reach the poor, the orphan, and the forgotten with the good news of Jesus Christ. In Moldova, JMI is focused on the orphan. Over the past six years, we've taken over 30 short-term mission teams to work in Moldovan orphanages and villages. We've sent five full-time missionaries, invested in nine strategic orphanages, sponsored over 350 boys and girls and started two transitional living homes for teenage orphans with no place to go. Vulnerable children have been rescued from sex trafficking. Some have even been adopted. And today, the love of Jesus shines brighter in Moldova. And all the way to the ends of the earth, JMI seeks the welfare of the forgotten people of the Amazon jungle in Brazil. In the Amazon, we seek to make justice personal by building schools, educating jungle pastors in God's Word, caring for children with special needs, and offering emergency food and medical assistance to the people who sit along the Amazon's endless banks. As we continue to fulfill God's call to seek the poor, vulnerable, and hopeless with the love of Jesus, Justice and Mercy International invites you to join us in making justice personal.